0: Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children's and Family Director. I'm so glad you're here with us, whether you're in person or online, a big welcome to you. Well, at Faithbrook, we want you to be more than just a face in the crowd or just another number. We wanna connect with you. Um, So in the seat pocket in front of you is a blue connection card. Please fill that out and drop it in the giving box on your way out. Or you can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash connect and you can fill that out digitally there. At Faithbrook, our mission is to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And one way for us to thrive in Christ is by getting connected with God through the Bible. The book of Matthew has 28 chapters, and it just so happens that there are 28 days until Easter. Here at Faithbrook, we wanna challenge you and encourage you to read one chapter a day leading up to Easter. So I plan on using my Uversion Bible app for me to read one chapter a day in the book of Matthew. I hope that you join me and join the rest of us here at Brook as we continue our faith growth through reading our Bible. Well, let's now welcome Pastor Taylor as we continue our series, Taking Care of Business.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jeff and Alex. That was awesome. I feel like I'm like up to bat at the targets, and <laughs> just like <laughs> ready to go. Great walkout song. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Taylor Greenhill. I'm the worship pastor here at Faith Broken. Obviously, you can see I have a, an awesome team. Um, and we are in part four of our series called Taking Care of Business. Uh, but more specifically, taking care of business the way that God would want us to. Um, and this uh, comes out of and kind of derived out of a passage in Luke 2 uh, where Jesus is, Jesus is a teenager and his family goes to Jerusalem and it's time for Passover. And then when they're leaving from the Passover festivities, his family hits the road. Well, Jesus decides to stay behind, but he doesn't tell anybody, he doesn't necessarily ask permission, just stays behind. Uh, and so about a day later into their voyage back, they realize, uh, where's Jesus? Where's that firstborn kid? And uh, so they have to turn around, and for three days, they search for him, and they finally find him in the temple, and he's teaching. And so Mary, his mother, comes up to him and says, son, we've been looking all over for you. Why have you treated us this way? And Jesus says, why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know how well that would have gone over with his mom, right? Right? I can just imagine Mary being like, excuse me, what did you, what did you just say to me? Like, um, you may be conceived by the Holy Spirit, but I will not hesitate to ground you from the temple, mister. <laughs> right, you want to be about your father's business, you can go pick up all of the wood shavings in his shop when we get back home, okay? <laughs> Kids, you know, you beg and you plead and you want them to say their first words and they start talking and then you're like, oh, why did I do that? Like, why did I teach them how to do that? Kids are this great, like, litmus test of, of your words, right? They're like this sponge, and you, you pour water into them all the time, and then they get squeezed out, and then you reap what you sow, right? They remember everything. My daughter, she's three, and she will come down from her nap time, and the first thing's out of her mouth, not, I love you, Daddy, or, hey, I'm so glad to be up. No, it's like, Daddy, remember when you said I could watch a show after my nap? Daddy, remember you said uh, I could have a treat after my nap? So yeah, I remember, I remember. Just recently, she was sitting at the table. We're about to have dinner. And you know, as a parent, you have to say no to your kids a lot because they ask for a lot of crazy stuff. And so you say no, and then they start saying no back, and you're like, okay, this is not good. But she was at the table, and, and so sometimes... Uh, when she says no back, I have to step in and just say, no, like, you don't say no to me, Lily, or you don't say no to your mom, like, that's, you know, you need to do what she says, and uh, so she was at the table, wanted some candy right before dinner, and I was like, no, we're not gonna have candy right now, and she turns to me with the cutest face, and the most polite voice, and just says, you don't say no to me, Daddy, and uh, (laughs) it was so funny, Katie and I just burst out laughing, Uh, it was too cute. I couldn't even be mad. But it was this like little wake-up call, right? That my words matter, right? I realized that I need to start taking care of business with my words. See, words and the way in which that we communicate, right? These are so important in life because they can stick with us, right? Sometimes more than other things can. As a kid, you'd say something uh, if somebody said something mean to you, you'd say, well, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? Like, gotcha. Or like, oh, it's opposite day or whatever. That was, that was convenient. Um, but we'd say that to deflect, right? But in reality, we're all a little bit like glue. right? The, the words that people say can really stick with us. And this is true not just for kids, but also for adults as well, Right? because many of us may have carried words with us through our life for many, many years. Some of them may be good that have built us up, and maybe some that have been really painful. Maybe you can still hear the words of that middle school bully who just happened to pinpoint that exact insecurity you were dealing with, and and that's still kind of same thing you struggle with now. Maybe it's words of criticisms from that boyfriend or girlfriend when they decided to broke up with you that is kind of Stuck with you. Maybe it's the words that you accidentally overheard from coworkers or people that you know when they didn't know you were around. Maybe words that were even said or maybe even not said at home while you were growing up from your parents. You know, whether we'd like to admit it or not, our words really matter, and they matter most to the people that mean the most. James understood this when he wrote his letter uh, of teachings and of wisdom that we find in our Bible today. And there's a lot of James's in the Bible, but this James specifically was the half-brother of Jesus. And James originally was a skeptic, right? He wasn't on board with this whole Jesus, my brother, the Messiah thing. He and, and I understand because if my brother started saying that he was the son of God and he was the Messiah, I'd, be, I'd have some serious doubts. <laughs> I love my brother. But later, he turned into a believer. And if I had to guess, James probably said a few things about Jesus, maybe to Jesus, that he probably regretted later. And here are some things that he says about our words. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. I'm sure nobody here has ever gotten themselves in trouble by making great boasts. James is trying to highlight this importance of our words. Right? He's wanting us to see that our words have more power to determine the direction of our lives than sometimes we give them credit for. You know, you're the rider on the horse. You're the pilot of the ship. Do you have control over it? Do you have the reins? Do you have your hands on the steering wheel? Do you have control over your words? Is there anyone in your life who's glad that you're hearing this today? Right? Is there anyone hoping that you're gonna grab those reins, that you're gonna take back control of the wheel, that you're gonna take control of your words, maybe more so than you have. If you don't have control over your words, then you don't have control over your ship, right? You might wake up one day and find that you're off course. You might realize a little too late that, that your words have damaged and harmed the people that you care about the most. It might be a little bit harder to get back onto course. See, we all inherently understand that our words are important because we quickly feel the weight of people's words when they are on us. But a lot of times we fail to understand the weight of our words and how they affect other people. So what's our solution, right? How do we take take control? Well, I'd like to look at uh, something that the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Ephesus. And in this part of this letter, he's offering some instructions, some wisdom on on how to live as a Christ follower. He's explaining um, how that we should be different from the rest of the world. He's he's offering this Christ-centered alternative to the norm that we see all around us. The first time that I remember hearing this verse that we're gonna go through uh, was when I was a teenager, young teenager. I was in Houston, Texas with my family, and we all went to a concert, and it was a Casting Crowns concert. I don't know if people are familiar with Casting Crowns. They're still around. And there was this band that was touring with them, and their name was Building 429. And I hadn't heard of them before, um, but I thought their name was interesting. I thought maybe like it was just the building that they got the band together in or something, and they just went with that. But actually, their name was a reference to Ephesians 429, And they started talking about this verse in the concert. And I kind of thought to myself, like, you know, this Paul guy, he might be just a little crazy. I'm not sure if I really like what he's saying here. So here's what Paul says. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, just to be clear, this is not an invitation to use whatever hand gestures that you may please. Okay, I think Paul's point here goes beyond just uh, spoken words. right? It's the things that we say, but also maybe the things that we send, the things that we post. Uh, I think it also has to do with the way things are said, right? How we, how we communicate with our tone, with our attitude. That all plays into it. We all know we can say really good things in a really bad way, and also the other way around. But he says, don't let any Nothing unwholesome, and that word unwholesome means rotten, worthless, right? Nothing unwholesome should come out of our mouths. Our mouths are like these filters that shouldn't let anything unwholesome pass through them, right? Maybe you're, you know someone, and don't elbow, but maybe you know someone who doesn't really have a filter. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you yourself have struggled with... Uh, lapses in your filter that maybe they, it's been broken or damaged over time. But according to this, don't shoot the messenger, God, God's preference is a zero-tolerance policy for unwholesome talk in our life. Right? He doesn't want anything rotten to come out of your mouth. And before you write me off, there are some other areas that we're actually pretty fond of zero-tolerance policies, Right? We have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to eggshells in the bowl of eggs, right? (laughs) Nobody wants crunchy scrambled eggs. Nobody wants to find that hard piece in their cake. So that's why we stick our fingers into that slimy, goopy bowl of eggs and try to hunt and find it and it's really hard. But we do it because we have a zero tolerance policy for eggshells. At least that's the way it is in my house. We also have a zero tolerance policy for hairs in our food. Can I get an amen? Okay. If you don't, then something's wrong with you. But nobody wants hair in their food, right? Especially when it's not your hair or anybody that's in your family. We don't want it, right? I may or may not be talking from experience here, but you go to your restaurant and hopefully it's not your favorite one and you, you, you order the favorite thing that you have on the menu and they bring it out, it's hot and fresh. And you're so excited to eat that and you start digging in and you're telling everybody at the table that you should have got this, right? This is the best. And, and you eat it and, and, and then all of a sudden there's that bite and you're like, something's off, right? There's something there that, that shouldn't be there. And so you try not to panic, trying to think about it too much, but, but you reach in and, and you, you find that thing and, and you, start to, you start to pull it. And then... And then you realize it's a lot longer than you thought. And so you start to pull it and you feel it come all the way up your throat. And you pull it out. Everybody at your table is looking at you like, what? All of a sudden, that food does not look so good anymore. Your appetite is gone. feel like you've just been violated. That's what Paul means. Do not let any unwholesome, rotten, Worthless things leave your mouth, right? But that's only the beginning of what he's saying here. So he continues, he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, but only, right? Now here's where we can be tempted to, to make excuses. We, could be a, a attempt, we can attempt to find loopholes. Uh, we can try to make exceptions to the rule, but, but Paul's being very clear, right? but only what is helpful for building others up. Now, we live in Minnesota, right? And Minnesotans are tough. I mean, you came here on Daylight Savings morning and there's snow on the ground. I mean, you guys are tough. You might be thinking, what, Paul, Paul wants me to be soft, right? Paul wants me to just be, be nice to everybody all the time. Like, he wants me to be just like a pushover or something. And, Now, even if that was what he meant, I love this quote from Pastor Andy Stanley. He says, no one traces the root of their problems back to too much encouragement. Nobody's at their therapist saying things like, you know, my dad, he just came to every single game and concert of mine. He told me how proud he was of me all the time. Like, can you believe that? You know, my mom, she just... Just wouldn't shut up about how pretty and smart I was. And she told me she loved me all the time. I can't, can't even cope with that. You know, my boss is just always on my tail about how much of a hard worker I am and blah, 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 blah. It's like, can't, like can you stop, please? Like, you know, you don't need healing after you've been built up. You need healing when you've been torn down. But Paul's not asking us to be pushovers. Right? He's not saying put a cheesy smile on your face and walk around like Elmo and be nice to everybody all the time. Right? He's saying that the only things worth saying are the things that help build others up. And we all know how easy it is to tear other people down. Right, We don't even have to be taught. Right, My kids already do that on their own. I don't have to teach them that. But what's not easy is building up. And sometimes building up can be messy, right? Sometimes it can involve some tough love. It can can involve saying some things that are difficult to say and maybe difficult for that person to hear, right? It can involve challenging people. But here's the kicker, according to their needs. Now, why did he have to add that in? Come on, Paul, right? According to their needs? Like, I know what they need, right? I know what they need. Now, he added that in because that is the heart of Christ, If you're a Christ follower, you're called to a life of service, right? You're called to a life that puts other people first. At Faithbrook, we say we love God, love people, and journey together. It's not love God, love me, journey together. Paul's instructing us to put other people's needs before our own, especially with our words. Another way that I can say this is that we should say what they need to hear, the way they need to hear it, not what we want to say the way that we want to say it. I'm gonna say that again. Say what they need to hear the way that they need to hear it, not the way we want to say what we want to say, okay? Our words should inspire, they should encourage, they should build up, but not in the way that makes us feel the best. Right? We're not supposed to be on our terms. It's about the other person. It's about on their terms, what they need to hear is their needs above our own needs. And Jesus, Jesus was the master of this. Right? He never shied away from saying hard things, saying the truth, saying things that people needed to hear. But he always led with compassion. He always led with understanding. And every person that talked to him knew that they mattered to him, and they knew that he loved them. But this can be so hard to live out, right? This is so convicting for me, because I don't always get this right. I know that you're now shocked that I'm not perfect, but, but if, you, if you think that I am, you can just talk to my wife. She's, she'll set you straight. But I, for me, I, I'm an improver, okay? I that means that like, I've never seen anything that couldn't be just a little bit better. Are there any of, of you out there like me? Sometimes people will come up to me and say, oh, what do you think of this? I'm like, that is perfect. But if you tweaked a couple of these little things, it would be even better. And all, all the staff is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, on, on, yeah, on one hand, That can be a great thing. There are some benefits with that, right? But on the other hand, I have to be very careful, right? Because other people, including my family, including the people that I care about, including coworkers, right? I can come across very critical. I can easily default to trying to build them up the way that I see fit. I have to remind myself that it's about the needs of the other person, and that if I want to build them up, I have to actually build them up the way they need it, not accidentally tear them down because I'm thinking about me. And Paul finishes off his instruction and he says this, that it may benefit those who listen. Are your words a benefit to those who hear them? Or are they a burden to those who have to bear them? Are your coworkers better off? Are your employees better off? Are your friends better off? Is Facebook or Twitter better off? Is your spouse better off? Are your kids better off because of the words that come out of your mouth? You may not even realize who all is listening in, who all is being impacted when you choose to speak. Ultimately, what God desires for our words and, and, and hear this and take this with you, right? what, what Paul is trying to get us to understand is this, your words should be worth their weight. Your words should be worth their weight. Your words carry weight, especially to those who are close to you. Are your words worth their weight? Right? If someone's gonna be stuck carrying your words with them, through life, maybe for years and years to come, are they worth it? Shouldn't those words be something of great benefit to that person? Shouldn't those words be soaked in love and compassion? Right, when my kids and children hear my voice now, and when they hear it again in their heads in the future, is it a voice that's harsh? Is it a voice that's critical or demanding? Or is it a voice that is encouraging, uplifting, loving, and full of grace? As a Christ follower, are my words, are they worthy of representing Jesus to the people around me? Right? My words should be something that people wanna to cling to, that they wanna desire to carry with them through their life because they have been such a benefit, because they're better off for having those words. I want to tell you a story about Tommy so when Tommy was a small child he he came home from school and he had a note from his teacher and and he's like mom 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 I got this note and but my teacher said it's it's only for you to read so so can you read it to me and so his mom takes the note and she opens it up and a tear comes from her eye and and it says your son is a genius this school is too small and our teachers are not equipped enough to teach him Please teach him yourself. And so she did, and she taught him. And and Tommy grew up, and he started to go by Thomas, Thomas Edison. And he became one of the greatest inventors of his generation. And so later, his mom had passed, and, and he went to her stuff and was going through. And in a closet, he found the note, the exact note that his teacher had sent him home with. And so he opened that note and he got to read it for himself for the first time. And it said, your son is mentally deficient. We cannot let him attend our school anymore. He's expelled. Your words should be worth their weight. But maybe you're thinking like I did. This Paul guy, he's kind of crazy. You know, I don't know if I can do that. That's, that's, that's really almost impossible. Like there's no way that I can do that. And you're right, right? With, with our own strength, with our own willpower, we cannot do this. But God has given us unlimited access to His Spirit, right? He's not, he's not throttling it back. When we say yes to Jesus in our life, He, he gives us unlimited access. Right? It's not the guest Wi-Fi password. It's, it's the full, unlimited access to his spirit. And this is the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead that can live within us. And this spirit, when it lives within us, it can convict us. It can challenge us, but it will also transform us. It will also equip us. It'll also build us up so that we can fulfill these words that Paul is saying. Now what if I'm already off course? Right? What, what if I've already done damage with my words? Right? What if I can't even begin to, to count the unwholesome things that have slipped past my filter? I wanna talk about a couple of things that um, we can do to, to use our words, to get back on course, and the first thing that we can apologize for our words. If you're like me, you've, you've said things to people and to people that you care about that you desperately wish that you could take back. Right? Maybe you need to confess that to God. Maybe you need to confess that to those you love, to other people, that you've been careless with your words. Maybe you need to tell your family, your kids, your employees, maybe your parents, that you're sorry for being selfish, right? You're sorry for for putting your needs ahead of their needs. Yesterday we had a a difficult morning and our three-year-old was not having a good time and there was a lot of chaos. And eventually I took her to go pick up some lunch and in the car we're waiting in the drive-thru to get some food and and she just says, Daddy, I, I shouldn't yell at you and for that I'm sorry. You know, can we humble ourselves enough to admit when we've fallen short, right? Can we take steps toward, toward mending what we may have had a hand in breaking? And the second thing is to increase your percentage, right? I know that this standard that Paul is setting, right, it's a really high bar. And God's, God's zero tolerance policy, right, it's, it is and it should be what we strive for, but I also know that when we're in the heat of the moment, when emotions are high, when we're feeling particularly vulnerable or insecure or drained, you know, we can make mistakes. So as we strive to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, let's start by increasing the percentage of our words that are building others up, that are designed to benefit Right? Let's start looking for opportunities to encourage, looking for opportunities to compliment, looking for opportunities to insert compassion and understanding into our conversations. Many times the, the negative words, the criticisms, those can hit harder, they can weigh heavier, they can, they can last longer. So let's intentionally overcompensate right? by building others up even more Let's err on the side of of encouragement if we can help it. Even little by little, let's increase the worth of our words because we never know the weight that they may carry. Your words should be worth their weight. As a church, as a group of people that that represent the body of Christ, our words carry so much weight in how our community views Christ. So many people have run far away from church, far away from God, not because of the words of Paul, not because of the words of Jesus, but a lot of times because of the words of Christians. What if our words met people right where they were at? What if they were of such great benefit to them that they had no other choice but to be drawn in to the person of Jesus Christ? What if... What if business leaders at Faithbrook were the best people to work for, right? Because if you work for them, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be uplifted. It's going to be a great environment. What if Faithbrook parents took seriously the weight of their words and we saw the next generation fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with his church? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen let's take some time to pray right now Heavenly Father God we just praise you we thank you for your love for us God through your words, you spoke the world into existence. God, you breathed your life into us. Thank you for your word that you give us through your Bible, that it still continues to inspire us and lead us and guide us. God, we can be so careless with our words. At times, we can be so selfish. So often we we fail to see the importance of the things that come out of our mouth. God, would you open our eyes to the impact that our words can have on the people that we love the most, the people that you love so much. Holy Spirit, would you transform us? Would you transform our hearts? Would you lead us to be more like you? God, would you help us to be people whose words encourage whose words inspire, whose words build up. God, help us love others and speak to others as you have first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.